Welcome to the Seeds of Wisdom series, brought to you by From a Loving Place with author Rachel Wolf. If you like deep, meaningful conversations, this is your place. So settle in and enjoy today's guest. Disclaimer, the Seeds of Wisdom digs into some deep subject matter. In order to plant a seed, we have to dig in the dirt. That's how we grow. If any of the subject matter feels like too much, it is important to seek your own mental health support. I did, and it's why I'm able to be here doing this today. Hello and welcome to episode 27. Today's seed is Awakening Resilience During Turbulent Times with my very special guest, Joe Bailey. I was blessed enough to meet Joe while we were both on a panel for our um, publisher at Mango Publishing. And we had such a great conversation back then. I knew I wanted to get him back on this podcast with me to have another talk. And he graciously gave me his book to read, his newest book, Thriving in the Eye of the Hurricane. And I will tell you, I had some profound experiences reading it because I'm a huge reader. I read over probably 20 books a year. <laughs> so I love reading and I have studied spiritual, self-help, new age, and then the academic sides of psychology. So taking all that in and then reading this book helped to really simplify it all <laughs> and all come into this understanding of, oh, <laughs> it's so much more simple than so many of these other things make it. And it really made me think about my whole experience and the way of questioning my thinking, it just awakened something inside me to just go, okay, it's a little bit of shift I need to do. So I can't wait to get into this conversation because I'm so excited for it. Let's start by Joe, introduce yourself and tell us all about what you do. Well, uh, I really appreciate your comments about how this understanding simplified what looks so complicated because I was in the same boat in my 20s. I uh, was trained as a clinical psychologist and you know, worked in community mental health and the addictions field. Um, and I was very involved in you know, all the latest developments in family systems theory and family therapy. I got to train with some of the best therapists in the world, Milton Erickson, Virginia Satir, people like that. So I, I felt like I was really prepared to to uh, work in the field of counseling, but I found as a therapist, I was getting burned out. And so I did yoga and I went on retreats and I meditated and I jogged every morning and I kept a journal and it was like a full-time job trying to just keep my balance and my bearings because I didn't have that seed, that deep understanding of really the fundamental principles of how we innocently and automatically create the human experience from the power of our mind, which is a universal energy or spiritual intelligence that we're all connected to, like all of life, uh, the power to think and create our perceptions by our personal thinking. However, whatever thought comes into our mind creates a perception, whether we're having a nightmare 
or we're actually in an experience, but we're thinking about something else. Um, whatever we're thinking is what we're going to perceive and what we're going to feel. And so when I um, and by being aware of that, it helps us kind of go into a state of meditation uh, on the run in rush hour traffic, wherever we are, we don't have to wait to go get quiet and get our gears back by understanding and having that insight in the moment. It allowed me to um, really remove like 98% of my stress in my life. And I became, and I, it just seemed too simple to me because I'd had all this, you know, a wall full of books I'd read too, and all these trainings I'd had, but this was so simple. It, it just, um, it went against logic to me at first. It would, and it was threatening because I had invested so much time in studying all of this, but it changed my life. And it, as it changed my life, my patients that I was working with, and I worked with some very difficult types of people with incest, people with uh, physical and sexual abuse and that type of thing and addictions. And the results were, they seemed like I wasn't doing anything, but my clients were getting better. And it's it really confounded me, but it led me to kind of let go of everything that I'd been trained in and learned as a psychologist and start from a whole new paradigm, which to me is a true scientific paradigm, psychology's first principle-based paradigm. Yeah, it, I have to say, so when I was reading this and really getting, cause it's a lot of the things I study, the different parts of it, but there was still a seeking to it all. Uh, you have to do, you have to do this, 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 to get here. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so and keep, it made it complicated. It once you get there. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then when you would get, do all those steps and you wouldn't have the result that they so-called promised you to have, then it was something you did. Yeah. Something you did wrong. And so I was just like, wow you know, just that. And, and a big part of what has helped me has been the questioning of my thinking, understanding that my thinking is just a perspective. That's all it is. And it's my perspective, my perspectives, creating my reality that has, oh, that once I got that concept, it had really helped me, but there was this still that seeking. And what I realized with this is it took, it takes out the seeking. Because it, it just allows it to be and says, you don't have to do anything. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I love that. Um, so talk about that more, because I know a lot of the examples in the book are, are, are I mean, there's people who have helped to fix neighborhoods, schools, I mean, from the projects to troubled high schools and everything in there. And it, what I love is that it is so simple that a student can do it. Yeah. it you know, even a hormonal student, you know? And I think I would just love to hear more about that part of the resilience, that inner resilience. Yeah. And how that... That it isn't about the doing. If you, if 
you look at young children, you know, be, you know, if they're not traumatized or, you know, they're just young children, like in their third and fourth year of life, you see a perfect example of innate mental health or resilience. They're just, you know, they get upset and cry or get angry, but the next minute they're playing with their toy or it, it's over. They're, they're so in the moment. They're so present because they're, they haven't yet taught to analyze, judge themselves, overthink, try to figure everything out. So they're, they're not caught up in this quagmire of a very complex thought system. But with an understanding of the principles that I talk about in Thriving in the Eye of the Hurricane, and I wrote it because I saw how so many people that in my family and uh, people I'd run into were really suffering. But the people who had an understanding of these principles that are in this book, it was, you know, sure they were affected. It changed their life. We went to Zoom instead of being in the office and all these things changed. But they were amazingly resilient in the face of all this. And so I thought the world really needs a shift in their understanding of how the mind works. So, because we're in for some really turbulent times, we're just getting started here with the division, not only in our country, but all over the world, the rise of totalitarianism, um, the global climate crisis that is just devastating every day in the news. It's another major snowstorm or flood or tornado or hurricane to be more specific to Floridians. Um, and so we're, we're in for a real roller coaster ride here. And if we don't have our bearings, everything we do in reaction to it from the ego will make the problem worse. But when we respond from this wisdom that we're designed to have in every child, you see how do they learn so quickly and rapidly in the first few years of life, a language, how to walk, how to interact with other people, how to read what mommy's feeling, you know, all of these things they learn very quickly. But um, so wisdom, this innate intelligence is never damaged, never destroyed. It's right under the surface. And often in a crisis, it'll come to the surface. You know, like when people are, you know, in a car accident, they do things they never would have done typically. They save a person's life. They, they're very generous after a flood and they volunteer or they, they go, wow, this, I feel so alive. This feels so good. But the crisis or the tragedy sometimes shocks us out of our habitual thinking, our ego thinking into this innate resilience that's already there. So uh, my job as a psychotherapist and as a consultant to industry and medicine and lots of different fields, my job got so easy because all I had to teach people is how their mind worked. And then they would see how to fix the problems in their business, their job in the military, as a police officer, as a firefighter, as a CEO of a uh, big corporation. So it doesn't matter whether you're teaching this in high schools or grade schools or to parents or to CEOs or to uh, political activists. I mean, I've worked with every kind of group you can imagine and it just helps them become wiser uh, and more positive naturally, more hopeful, 
more able to think creatively in a crisis so that the, the instead of it um, being damaging when we have a challenge in life, it actually deepens our resolve to listen inside and to access this infinite source of insight, creativity, and wisdom to make the world an incredibly wonderful place. And this book is uh, is, a, is a series of stories because I want because I've been witnessing. I was one of the first pioneers in the psychology forty some years ago, but now there are hundreds of thousands of people all over the planet. It's in every country in the world. It's we've got when we do our podcast, they're in Russian, they're in French, they're in Spanish, they're in all the languages because it's such a uh, it's just kind of gone off because it works. It's simple. It works. It's cost effective, and the good news is, is everybody already has it. They just don't know it. A friend of my, one of my best friends, a coworker, she just wrote this book that came out a couple of weeks ago. It's that simple. <laughs> I like it. Yes. It's, it is. It's just. It's that simple. So I don't know if that answered your question. Well, but. and. And one of the things I do love that, and you make the point of it, it doesn't mean we're not going to have those habitual thoughts. It doesn't mean oh. that they're not going to come up. And so can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know that sometimes people will look from the outside and go, oh, so it's a one-time fix-all. Oh, <laughs> nothing ever is. Time. No, no. Resilience isn't about being happy all the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes you, I would say I'm much more happy more of the time than I ever was. And people that learn this, I would say that's true. But also when you're going through challenges, when you're, you know, you have a, a death of a loved one, for example, or you just lost your job, you still have all the same emotions, but you're not attached to your emotions. So you have your, I tell people, just don't try to control your thinking. Good luck on that. Just observe your thinking. Be aware that you're having a thought experience about what's happening. And that will allow that thought to pass through, not judging it, not trying to control it. Just being aware I'm having a thought experience that's creating this feeling in me. And... And it's innocent that I'm just being a human being. I'm sad right now, or I'm angry right now, or I'm stressed right now, or I'm worried. But being aware that it's coming from the inside out rather than the outside in is a game changer because you're, you'll still have your ups and downs, but you won't get stuck in a rut. You'll, which is what depression or anxiety disorders are, or any mental illness is just stuck in your thinking, going around and around, expecting a different result. But when you are aware of your thinking, being connected to your feeling in the moment, it breaks the hypnotic trance of thought. It's called suspended disbelief. You see, like you're in a movie, this happens. You're, you watch, let's say you're in a horror movie or you're, uh, or a thriller or something. You're on the edge of your seat and your heart's pumping and you're 
breath has changed and your muscles are all tense. And then someone next to you um, trips and knocks their soda over on your foot. And the whole, all your attention goes there instead of to the movie and all your body changes completely. Or you get a, a text on your phone, you just, your first grandchild was born. And it breaks the, the hypnotic trance of the movie. So we're little movie makers inside, unconsciously. And we're creating our own, our own unique movie of life, our separate reality, which I have a whole chapter on in the book. We all live in a separate reality of our own thought based on culture, conditioning, habits, the past, and all of that. But underneath that, peel that layer of thought back. And underneath, we're all the same. We're all wise. We're all creative. And we're all resilient. And when we break the hypnotic trance of thought in the moment when we're having a stressful moment or we're having a, a, a feeling hopeless about the future of where we, we're going here, and we catch ourselves in the act of creating that without judgment, without anything but neutral, it just dies away. And what's left is this pearl of wisdom, this pearl of um, intuition, creativity, all the things we do all those techniques for, it's already in here. And all those techniques, as I look at it now, all those techniques I did in my 20s, they were like placebo effects. Because if I did it, I would feel better. Or if I even thought about doing it, I'd feel better. And if I didn't do it as long as I should have, I would feel worse. So it didn't matter what I was doing, whether it was going for a run or meditating or doing yoga or saying affirmations or whatever. It was how I thought about that that gave me the experience. And that's a profound paradigm shift for humanity to see that we, we cannot destroy our resilience, our human spirit, but we can cover it up innocently with our thinking. And everyone does, me included, even though I've written seven books about this now, <laughs> I can still get caught up in my thought. And I just did a podcast about you know, having to demolish our home because of mold and uh, getting COVID and uh, having uh, severe illness this last year and how the principles helped me to stay buoyant even in the face of this incredible hurricane that I've had this year. And so I, I've really put this sucker to the test <laughs> after writing this book. So so it, it it's, um, but it's been in every religion. It's been, if you look at the root of every religion and every um, great thing that helped people come out in its innocent initial inception before it turned into a thing, it was raw inspiration. And that, that's what we're, we're trying to point people to in this book is how you already have it. You can't destroy it. And if you just understand how this thing works, get an understanding of the mind, 
it will allow that to surface more of the time. Not all of the time, but more and more of the time. Because as you, you get a cumulative effect with insight that's called transformational evolution. You transform into your deeper self more and more and more over time if you have an understanding. Without that understanding, it's a downward spiral that can often lead to addiction, divorce, um, suicide, you know, at its most extreme. So there's there are stories in here. I've worked with the Mayo Clinic systems, training their physicians in this, lowered the burnout dramatically. We've worked with police departments. We've worked with school systems all over the world, um, the military, um, the UN, you name it, we've been there. It's on the West Bank and Israel. And it's, it's kind of, it just, because it works, it's just spread so rapidly around the planet. It's wow. a, I'm just so lucky. I feel like I won the lottery of mental health. <laughs> Well, I am very grateful for for even getting to read this book because really it did simplify things that were starting to, I was feeling that itch inside that something doesn't quite feel right about this or some, you know what I mean? Of that chasing, of that seeking, of that, that constant, I'm not doing enough to be where I want to be type feeling. And this was just like put it into a such a simple perspective of why that makes sense mm -hmm. and uh yeah, so as long as you're searching you're dissatisfied yes yes exactly exactly yeah. so with that and if anybody wants to listen more because you know it's gonna get good now we start talking about this <laughs> um go to the youtube channel at from at youtube at from a loving place and see the full episode you can there will be a link in the facebook comments if you're watching this on facebook and it's also in um the in the podcast it will be a link in there to go to the youtube so thank you for anybody who's been listening so far make sure to follow the links that accompany this episode you will learn a lot more about today's guest and see what they have going on now you will also get all the links to follow them on their journeys if this seed resonates with you. Come back next week for another Seed of Wisdom. If you loved what you saw or listened to, don't forget to subscribe to the channel.